Welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And today I want to take a little journey back in time with you mm. and uh, back to our childhood <laughs> and explore what is uh, a, a coined term here from the website, uh, the same name, the kinder trauma era. <laughs> era. <laughs> Uh, talk a little bit about the kind of phenomenon that happened in our youth where uh, horror for children got really big Ooh. and kind of shaped a, a generation into this weird, wonderful group of Halloween horror obsessed adults. <laughs> I'm very intrigued. I have yeah. not heard this term before. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, like I said, we're going to start. We're going to take a journey back. I want you to follow me back to like fall of 1988 mm. and your teacher lines you up and you go down the, to the library and when you get there do you can you picture it there are shelves Ooh, <laughs> lined with shelves. books all for you as long as your parents gave you some money that's right we were at the scholastic book fair oh the scholastic book fair. <laughs> uh so if you are not a child of the like 90s and 2000s the scholastic book fair is almost impossible to describe the feeling of it to anyone who wasn't there. Um, but it was a, a quintessential experience growing up in the 90s and 2000s. Um, but did you know that it was also a huge part of launching horror for children into the like forefront of the next decade? Ooh. So uh, when horror novels kind of became really popular in the late 70s and 80s with like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby um, and started being made into films. Scholastic kind of saw this untapped niche for horror geared at younger audiences. Mm -hmm. And so they launched a specific banner under Scholastic called the Scholastic Point Horror uh, which was just horror literature for tweens, basically. And uh, the first book they published was J.B. Stamper's Tales for the Midnight Hour. Mm -hmm. And that came out in 1977. So this actually was a, a bit pre um, the era we're going to yeah. kind of stick in today. But um, it wasn't like super popular. The They released a, a few sequels to it throughout the 80s, but it it didn't really gain traction. But then <laughs> came the success of a little book called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by oh, Albert Schwartz, uh, which was published in 1981 under the HarperCollins uh, label. And the success of that book then kind of solidified the market for this genre and pushed other um, things forward in the genre with Scholastic and others. So uh, that book kind of really changed the landscape for what what you could feed to children. <laughs> uh, let's let's take a pause here and talk about scary stories to tell in the dark for a second, because uh. um, this book as a three three book series. If you if for some reason you've made it this far without <laughs> without <laughs> knowing about scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, three books, and I believe the last one was published in nineteen ninety one. 
1981 to 91. And uh, these were, I actually read this, this was the most frequently challenged piece of literature from 1990 to 1999, according to the American Library Association. (laughs) Parents did not like this book. Um, And they were so scary. It was a collection of like uh, tales kind of gathered from folklore that were kind of tailored to be stories for children. And what made them especially scary were the illustrations by Stephen Gamel, the horrifying. <laughs> they so have horrifying. They have stuck with me my entire life. Uh, do you? I mean, I'm I'm hearing in your voice that you have, were also scarred by these books. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. That was that was definitely one of the books that like I was scared to read it, but yeah. like I made myself read it. But I I very clearly remember not wanting to touch the illustrations oh like yeah. the, like the page like i remember like holding it like very awkwardly from the front because i was afraid that like if <laughs> like i put my fingers it. on that illustration that like something would like you'd be cursed i'd be cursed <laughs> or like the ink would like jolt up and like get me yeah Grab i was you. very scared of that is there a, a story from those books that still like stands out to you the girl with the spiders in her face. <gasps> oh my too. god, that's the like that's the very first thing that I think of when literally, someone brings up scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> literally, that is the next thing in my notes. Uh, I still remember exactly, exactly where I was the first time I saw this freaking book. <laughs> I was in second grade, and we had like a reading corner in the classroom, and my friend must have bought this book at the book fair. Um, or someone in my class did Mm -hmm. and we were reading it on this rug sitting on a rug in the corner by the bookshelves and we read that freaking girl with the spider in her cheek story and I thought about it for no less than two months (laughs) (laughs) if you if you are not familiar basically the the shortened version is that this girl gets like bitten by a spider she thinks and has like a, a sore on her cheek that she keeps like messing with and then eventually it bursts open and like a jillion baby spiders crawl out of her face my i can like my cheeks feel hot right now just talking (laughs) about it uh yeah so it was very scary for grade-aged children um and definitely i think was a gateway like gateway drug for a lot of us Mm -hmm. who became spooky adults um, I actually, I didn't ever put this together. In my research, I realized Alvin Schwartz, who wrote that book, also wrote that book in a dark, dark room, um, which was geared at even younger kids. I remember the cover being very like, it was like, I can read too. Like it was like geared at really <laughs> like littles. Yeah. Um, but that was the one that had the girl with the green ribbon in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which again, is one of those ones that sticks in my brain to this day. <laughs> yes, I, um, I think I'm, I may have talked about this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. um, but if I didn't, we had a copy of A Girl with a Green Ribbon book and in my um, elementary school classroom. And I remember reading it and being ungodly terrified because in the book, the girl's name was Jennifer. Was Jen- <laughs> and Jenny is my my official my official wallet name and i was just like holy shit is my head going to fall off like 
what what is gonna happen here i was so scared about it is that why you subconsciously dyed your hair green to hold your head on (laughs) probably it's gotta stay stay steady on there my uh i actually my friends and i probably four years ago now or so we went to a literary themed halloween party which first of all was the most fun i've ever had you would have loved it um but my friend came as the girl with the green ribbon and i was i just it was literally like the kool-aid man came crashing through my brain like i had forgotten (laughs) about it and then she showed up and i was like oh my god and you went oh no (laughs) instead of oh yeah oh no yeah literally uh oh man so yeah that alvin schwartz uh uh a horror icon to say the Indeed. least he, he scarred all of us equally <laughs> uh but that, that was a nice little detour but let's head back let's head back to our book fair yeah, so let's go back to the book uh, fair. i'm, I'm closing my eyes i'm entering the fair let's talk about the second most challenged piece of media in the 90s and that is goosebumps oh goosebumps so uh after we see the success of scary stories to tell in the dark um rl stein he had been writing already at this point in uh, which i actually found out he worked for scholastic and then like lost his job when they like reorganized and he was mm. like i guess i'll try writing <laughs> question mark which Good like choice, my dude yeah great choice way to go <laughs> uh but at this point he had already been writing the um successful fear street series mm. which uh as many of you know became a very fun film franchise last year um but in 1992 goosebumps hits the scene because he has been writing fear street but it's definitely more targeted at like teenagers and yeah again seeing this kind of pattern start to emerge he wants to write something specifically targeted at a younger audience um and then we get such classics as night of the living dummy the haunted mask and my personal favorite say cheese and die (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, these books quickly became a huge phenomenon many of them became bestsellers and uh in fact goosebumps is still to this day the second highest books selling book series of all time wow can you get uh, guess what the first one is can you guess Is it Harry Potter? It is Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. But like Goosebumps right after Harry Potter. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? Wild. Like that good for wild. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but so uh, Goosebumps is another series that, again, awesome imagery. I vividly remember the covers at the book fair, like being drawn into the the artwork on these books. Um, the cover art is most of the books, a hundred of the the Goosebumps series books were the cover art was done by Tim Jacobus. Um, And they're really beautiful. And I think like kind of show that quintessential, like when I think nineties Halloween or like nineties horror, I think of the like really richly saturated Goosebumps color palette. (laughs) Yeah. They were definitely Um, like the, the pulp novel covers of the nineties. Yes. Yeah. So, so cool. Um, and I, we talked, you and I talked about this a little bit in a, a Solon Society meeting. I think that we're going to see a resurgence of like 90, late 80s, early 90s mm, Halloween yeah, uh, this year that. because of Fear Street and with, um, with 
Stranger Things coming back and just all this nostalgia that us millennials are having. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ni- 90s clothes are definitely coming back. So yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for it. <laughs> I will confess that I have never read a Goosebumps book. Really? I used to look at them in the school library <laughs> and be afraid of them. Oh um, my gosh. I, so I, I am like fairly familiar with them and I did watch some of the TV show. Um, mm-hmm. So I am like familiar with some of the stories, but I I very much, I very clearly remember the Night of the Living Dummy and the Slappy's Revenge book covers. Yep. I don't remember what it was called, but there was one that had like an orange like toxic sludge monster or something oh yeah yeah. on the the street Um, yeah i remember seeing that one and just like just like staring at it and being like this is horrifying (laughs) (laughs) now i have i don't remember what that one is either um uh, my favorite well so i i wouldn't say i wouldn't say i was like a huge goosebumps kid i think i got into it later like than than the age group it was intended for um but I do another like weird core memory. A lot of my core memories are spooky. I'm finding that out about myself. (laughs) Um, I vividly remember reading. So Say Cheese and Die was the one. It's like the cover has the little skeleton family having a barbecue and like a Polaroid photo. And it was about like a camera that when he when they took pictures of people, it showed them dead, basically. Um, And I remember reading that in my school library during like our free read time and being because I was also like you a scaredy cat kid I was legitimately fully freaked out like yeah and I think Goosebumps was supposed to be like funny scary like like it was definitely supposed to like creep you out but it wasn't supposed to like even R.L. Stein is is quoted as being like it wasn't supposed to like terrify kids it was supposed to yeah. like give them a, a healthy way to navigate some weird issues and also like deal with fear in a healthy way a little thrill Um, yeah and like my brain was like i am ruined (laughs) this is so scary (laughs) well i don't want to jump ahead do you have another spooky book series to discuss no goosebumps is the last book series we're going to talk about so give give me what you got (laughs) i was a bailey school kid I don't That's know, the know, like really. vampires oh! don't wear polka dots oh my series God, yes! and all of those like and it's it is like really f- looking back on it because like that was definitely I would say like the gentler <laughs> version where like it had spooky elements um but it wasn't like as kind of like scare focused as Goosebumps. I read a ton of those. I read so many Bailey School books. Penny, I full blown wish you could see my face right now. Like you just. <laughs> You just unlocked a door in my brain. I forgot about those books. I loved those books. Yes, they were so good. Oh my gosh. I literally feel like I'm like, I'm like elated right now remembering those existed. There was one that was like a, the, it was like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like mm-hmm. the teacher yep. was a swamp monster. Yeah. And there was like oh werewolf God. one. There's like mummy one. I... I loved those enough that I got my mom at a Scholastic Book Fair to buy me like a one of the like specialty like series <laughs> of it, and it came with like witch fingertips to put on your fingers oh, my and like a poster. And I was just like, "Hell yes, this is the best!" <laughs> I am shook right now. Hold on, I need to I need to do a research. I need to figure out when those were published. Wow, there was more than eighty books in that series. 
I believe it. I like that was one of the ones that like I obviously, you know, I would pick some up at the book fair, but like I read got those from the school library. I checked out ones from different ones from the public library. I was all over that series. Okay, yeah. So the first one was published in 1990 and then they uh they went through like 2005. Or like two th- well, 2002 was when the they really kind of stopped there were a couple yeah. after that. Wow, that is if you remember Bailey School Kids, drop us, <laughs> drop yes. us a line because wow, I I'm so derailed now because I'm so excited that that <laughs> I'm like oh my god I want to reread them. Okay, yes, and <laughs> the the one other like as as you were talking about books, I was like wait, I remember reading something else, and this is I would say this is more like middle school for me. But did you read Christopher Pike books? No, I don't know what that is. So, like, he wrote, like, Slumber Party and stuff. They were, like, extremely, like, schlocky young adult thrillers where, like, teens were, like, getting murdered and, like, investigating things and stuff. Just very, very cool. I was very into those. I also remember it was interesting that you talk about um like kind of like the idea of like adult authors trying to kind of get in Mm -hmm. on the vibe because i remember um i read uh bruce coville who (laughs) i read some of his adult like novels too but he wrote these like um the series where it's like my teacher's an alien oh yeah Oh, yep. I'm remembering cover art. (laughs) Yes. And I was, I read those and was like, yeah. And like, I remember, I mean, I think he really only wrote young adult fiction. I remember like some of his like fantasy novels as seeming like much more grown up when I was reading them. Yeah. But there was like the alien teacher because I very clearly remembered the cover art of, of like, looking like, at that window, right? Peeling his face off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the window, and that was another one that I was like, "This is this is terrifying to look upon." I also, yeah, I'm having like a vague remembering. That's crazy. Well, as we've established, the literature was popping. <laughs> it was popping, man. <laughs> we were the the foundations were being laid. Um, so then we're gonna we're gonna move out of the books and kind of talk about how this this started a, a cultural phenomenon here. Yes. Uh, so right around the end of 92, so Goosebumps is starting to really pop off. And then we go into 1993 and this is when the big shift starts happening because Disney releases a little tiny film called Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. And at the time, uh, I actually didn't know this. It was a huge flop, like commercially and in the box. And they released it in July, question mark. (laughs) very weird um because they didn't want to compete with other like halloween films which what anyway uh but they release it it's not a huge success but it is kind of a pioneer of being one of the first of its time to be like a full production like actual cinematic like film with famous actors and like (laughs) a, a big hoopla a Halloween movie that is geared towards children because before this we've had mostly like animated goofy children's mm-hmm. specials we've not had really this big I mean obviously we've had films like Labyrinth and th- the things that were creepy and somewhat family oriented but this is like a Halloween kid movie yeah um, and then a couple years later when it's released to VHS <laughs> remember VHS mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
this is when the the real like upswing starts happening and by the mid 90s horror for kids or like tweens is in full swing on television we've got uh shows which these are also nostalgic for me like <laughs> ah real monsters oh yeah <laughs> uh, are you afraid of the dark mm-hmm. tales from the crypt uh the beetlejuice series which we talked about very recently on the pod uh one of my personal favorite shows to ever exist which was courage the cowardly dog oh man yeah <laughs> and then uh like you mentioned of course the goosebump series starts in i think 95 uh and so just really like chock full of spooky stories on constant like saturday morning cartoons every week and it's not just at halloween time it's all the time um and it became really popular during the late 90s that shows that weren't spooky or horror based started doing halloween specials and yes. like really getting into the the spookiness um this was the golden age of television for me. Like this, <laughs> for this sure. was so good. Were, were any of those shows uh, something you watched that you liked? Uh, some of them, I will say a lot of those shows I was scared to watch. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I'm finding out that I always thought I was really, really a scaredy cat. I think you were more scared than me, which is, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with myself just a little bit. <laughs> I will say, like, so I've always had extremely vivid dreams, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time I would have, like, a dream that would include something that I'd seen in a commercial for, it. like, I remember sure. very clearly having a nightmare with the dude from Ah Real Monsters who has his eyes in his hands. Yeah. And, like, because I had that nightmare, I was like, well, I can't watch this. Like, so, like, I kind of, like, associate, like, if I actually watched the show, I probably would have not been as scared of it. But I associated it with, like, That's my fair. terrible nightmare vision and was like, That's no, fair. I can't I, do it. My first nightmare that I remember was uh, of the Thriller music video. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> The Thriller music video is kind of legitimately scary. It's so good. Like, it's yeah. really scary. They did a great job. It but is. No, I, I like I get sat that. down and watched it all the way through because, like, obviously, you know, I'd seen like the various like clips and like dancing and stuff. When I watched like the whole one, I was like, "This is pretty. This is pretty freaky." Yeah. It. it yeah. It was like a full production. It was. Mm-hmm. It's. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was like I said, my Courage the Cowardly Dog. I was a huge fan, and that show was legitimately scary like for kids it was yeah. it, it had a lot of really scary imagery um and i i think that show in particular to me really pioneered like how far can we take it with kids <laughs> like oh that sounded yeah. bad pretend i didn't say yeah. that how <laughs> how far can we take horror and like kids be okay um and that show ended up getting canceled in 2002 and we'll we'll get to that here in in just a second but um, i did watch a show on disney called so weird yeah the x-files for yeah, kids yeah which is like X- yeah. i did watch that like i was into i was into that yeah that didn't last very long i feel like no. it got canceled really quickly yeah i think it only had like two se- two or three seasons yeah that that one was good too though but and then uh like so yeah disney was doing kind of that and they were doing their own like little tween horror cinema with a lot of their Disney channel original movies, Mm, um, which 
two two of the scariest movies I remember when I was a kid being legitimately freaked out that were that were made for kids were the 1997 Tower of Terror movie that they made. Yes. Freaked me the hell out. Very I rewatched freaky. it recently and it's still kind of scary because they've got that like senile well she's not senile she's an old lady that's pretending to be senile because she killed her sister yeah (laughs) i was like that's actually legit scary also jan from the office is in it and that's really weird (laughs) (laughs) uh but then also the 1999 don't look under the bed did you ever see that one about the boogeyman i remember it existing and i did not see like i watched like i was a huge disney channel movie fan and that one i was like this seems (laughs) better not (laughs) (laughs) it was so good but yeah i mean it was just like back to back like 97 we had tower of terror and the movie the original of under wraps which i believe just got remade um and then halloween town in 98 don't look I under the bed. I loved in Halloween Town. Yeah, I was well, very it's into Halloween. Town. It's incredible. Yeah, Cheerf- and I feel fearful like, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, well, I think like, uh, yeah, Halloween Town. I think is definitely a like a huge marker for our generation. Like yes. <laughs> that was like we all want to live there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, oh, what was the, uh, the one with Hilda? uh mom's got a date with a vampire oh yeah i watched that oh this is also this isn't disney but tv i was a big sabrina the teenage witch oh fan heck yeah the, the og melissa joan hart one well in the 90s was just like witches were in yes. like they, everything was about witches, witches. and i think well it's probably started with uh, 1990 the movie the witches based on that mm, uh, yeah. old doll but like that movie great practical effects and angelica houston but like it's it was it was a lot <laughs> for for kids, I think. Yes. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, nineties was all about witches and Halloween, and I lived for it. You remember that movie Twitches with Tia and Tamara Maori? Yes, I I read the book series that that was. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I forgot that it was a book series, but yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was on and popping. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're getting a lot of things happening, um, and then like I said. So 2002 is kind of a a marking point, which is actually interesting. When we looked up that Bailey School thing, 2002 was the last Mm. year they like highly published those books. Um, And it's all when a lot of these shows like Courage the Cowardly Dog and things got canceled. um, It was when the Disney Channel like stopped doing a lot of Halloween films. Like it it all kind of tapers off at 2002. Um, and we start to see a real shift in the culture around Halloween at that point as well. Like, I, I feel like this was really when families started opting for, like, trick-or-treating in malls. Yeah. And, like, like the Halloween that we knew growing up kind of started to fade off. Um, and I saw a few theories about this, which I think are both interesting. One, bringing it back around, uh, being that the Harry Potter phenomenon actually killed it (laughs) um that like it took so much media heat off of the children's horror genre that it kind of lost traction and faded into the background because Mm. for a long time it was kind of thriving off of the controversy that like parents were really mad about it (laughs) um and then people got so mad about harry potter that they moved on uh so that's kind of an interesting theory uh and then two of course being just time-wise 2002 being post 9-11 uh parents were kind of on edge and erring towards everything being 
as safe as possible yeah. for their children. And that kind of changed the atmosphere a lot. Um, but yeah, we start to see it die off uh, in the early 2000s. Definitely by 2005, it's like pretty much non-existent except for the occasional like Coraline or, you know, Corpse Bride, like things, mm, yeah. things they sneak in under the radar, um, but definitely not as easily accessible anymore, which to me is a bummer. But what a cool little microchasm to have grown up in. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it's so fascinating that. I mean, any time period that these weird little kind of micro spurts happen that really form a, a generation to be really interested or um, find certain things important. And I think our generation really does covet Halloween and horror because of the the kind of scape that we grew up in. And I just think that's, I think that's really cool. <laughs> it's true. We're the Halloween generation. Yes, or the kinder trauma, as <laughs> as kindertrauma.com will tell you. You can you can delve into that. It's fascinating because they actually, they talk a lot about, which I do think a lot of the groundwork was laid in the 80s yeah. uh, with the, the practical effects of things like Labyrinth and Gremlins and like the, the Goonies. Like there were a lot of things leading up to this horror for children space that happened in the 80s. So Gen Xers, we're not... We're not discluding you. You're definitely <laughs> in here as well. Um, but yeah, that's my little spiel. I, I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, but wasn't sure how to, to format it. But I, <laughs> I think this was a, a fun little romp. I hope that you all feel nostalgic and got yes. to unlock some weird core memories like I did today. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you are enjoying Ghoul's Night In, which we are certainly hoping, hoping, why I say that every time, <laughs> which we are certainly hoping that you are, uh, please consider giving us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. That means so much to us. Uh, we do have a review, I believe, to read today, don't we, Penny? Oh, why, yes, we do. Um, so this is review is... <laughs> uh, I now that I know that it's a name backwards I can see it but I'm still gonna try and pronounce it um, so this review is from Zerdnehizhne uh, and the <laughs> title is a five star review titled super fun spooky content these two bring the gigs and fun to the spooky genre in the best way relatable informative entertaining grab your popcorn and try not to choke on it laughing <laughs> Spooky content to the max in such a fun sleepover night gossip spilling style way. Heart Aww, emojis. That's exactly what we aim for. I love that. Yes, yes. Just a just a cool sleepover. Yeah. A sleepover where you read goosebumps and played with Ouija boards. Yeah, we probably did some light as a feather, stiff as a board. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh man, I could have done a whole other thing about all the spooky games we played at Slumber Party. Oh, maybe I'm, that'll be a future I'm save episode. It. Yeah, I'm gonna save it. We'll, we'll do a spooky sleepover episode. Yes. Well, thank you all so much for listening today. If you are just aching for more content from us, you can follow us over on Instagram at Ghoul's Night in Pod. And if you're looking for me, you can find me across all platforms at Midge Munster. And you can find me at Penny Snark. And until next time, goodbye. goodbye.